Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God one last time to turn with us to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark in chapter number 16. We almost got 50, five zero, 50 messages with the Gospel Record of Mark just examining and walking through the life of Jesus Christ. This morning we spoke about the resurrection. And now we hit the tail end of it. Now that Jesus is risen, what is he expecting those disciples, those uh, people in that first local church? What did he expect them to do? What was his orders? What is the commandment he has given? And we're going to find that here in the Gospel record of Mark chapter 16. Remember that starting next Sunday morning, we'll be going into the life and ministry of Moses. And we'll be looking forward to examine the narrative parts, the historical parts of the life and ministry of Moses and to listen to my kids talk about it as they realize, can you imagine dealing with two and a half million complaining people? No wonder it was said that Moses was the meekest man who ever lived to deal with two and a half complaining, murmuring, miserable people. Well, we'll learn more about it starting on next Sunday morning with Pharaoh, that there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, and give the historical part leading into the life and ministry of Moses. But as for now, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Mark in chapter number 16. The Gospel record of Mark chapter 16. And notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse number 15. The Gospel record of Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 15. 15. The Bible says this, And he, that's Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached Everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And if you have it to mark things in your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the Gospel record of Mark chapter 16? The Gospel record of Mark chapter 16. And notice with me in verse number 20, the Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. What a great phrase that is to end the gospel record of Mark. The Lord working with them. Maybe if we wanted to subtitle it, we could say Christ and his co-workers. And I'm so thankful that we could be co-workers with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord working with them.
If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you so much for the gospel record of Mark and how much we've enjoyed watching the life of Jesus Christ and the lessons that you taught us. And now as we finish up this gospel record, we're asking that you would just once again open up this passage in a special way. Let us have a good understanding. Let us be able to examine this, to be able to understand what you are getting across And that it would be a help to us and not a hindrance. Again, the best I know how, I surrender myself to you. Meaning that I surrender my my ambitions, my goals, my desires, what I want to get accomplished. I set that aside and allow you to use me as an instrument to get across whatever you want to get done today. Thank you, Lord, that we could trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord working with them. Now, the gospel record of Mark, chapter number 16, verses 9 through 20, is, in some people's mind, a controversial passage. Meaning that a lot of people don't know what to do with it. They read this passage and they say, well, I'll just ignore it. And they have a hard time, because there are some hard things in there. In fact, given such a hard time, that as the centuries went on, we understand we had the first century and the second century. We know that the Bible was preserved and had been recorded all the way back uh, from 90 AD that the first, um, <laughs> just as a side thing, if you could allow me, the very first translation of the Bible in its form was 150 Bible, the Syriac Peshito. Now, we don't consider that part of our lineage, but if you look at a 150 AD Syriac Peshito, it was put together exactly like we have the Bible here. So, The last part of the Bible was written about 90 AD, so that's 60 years. That's pretty close to the source. What I'm trying to say is that because this has been so controversial, that as the centuries went on, because people didn't know what to do with this passage, some of the people stopped putting it into the gospel record of Mark. And so the ancient manuscripts didn't have it, and they (laughs) they had put some doubt into it. And so much so that when they started to reprint the Bible and try, as we have the authorized version that came in 1611, after that in the 1800s, some people started to try to give us a different English version. And when they put the first versions out, it was missing this entire passage of the Gospel record of Mark, chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. It was gone. In fact, some of you may have in your Bibles a little asterisk, and in the very bottom of the footnotes it say most ancient manuscripts are missing this passage. And that's the reason why this became a controversy, is because in the first century they said this is true. Second century, it's true. But as it went on and the sign gifts stopped, that people read this passage and said, well... Have you ever spoken in tongues? Nope. Have you ever been bitten by a snake and lived? Well, you know, and they started saying, what do we do with this passage? And so somebody in their brilliance decided to toss it out. It's not there. Explain it away. And then <laughs> they would have problems with it. Now, because we believe in the preservation of scripture, we believe that this should be in here. And we have evidence that it should be in here. Well, if it's supposed to be in here, how do we explain this passage? And this is where people have a hard time with, and they would rather just ignore it rather than dive in. Let me tell you that this passage is not difficult. Notice with me as we kind of give an explanation, before we get to the message, this is all kind of free, but I'm trying to say, if 
a passage like this is so controversial that people don't know what to do with. Maybe it's that important that we need to know what it says. Notice if you don't mind in verse 15. We could see very clearly the command of Jesus Christ. And he said to them, the first century church, the disciples that were there, the simple command, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is what we would call the Great Commission. This is God's commission, Jesus' commission. He's already been risen from the dead. He spends 40 days with the disciples. And he gives this command very clearly. We could easily understand it. You go. Go ye into all the world. Not part of it. All the world. And preach, proclaim the gospel to every creature. That's the clear command that the disciples were given. This is what the local church was given to do. To go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Now this is going to be our message. We're going to set that aside and hit this passage here. And then we'll come back. Or the controversy here. Notice in verse 16. 16 is where people start to trip up a little bit. It says... He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Some people put a period here and then they teach baptismal regeneration. Meaning that in order to be saved, you have to believe and be baptized. And they say, this is what it says. Yes, that is what it says, but the period is not there. It is a continued thought. Notice as it goes on in verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but... He that believeth not shall be damned. According to verse 16, what is all that's required for someone to be damned? Not to believe. It doesn't say anything about baptism. Baptism is closely associated with uh, belief because baptism is the first step of obedience. It is me declaring to the world, I have decided to follow Jesus. And remember that in the first century, the second century, and so on, there was a cost to pay to be baptized. That if you were to be biblically baptized and proclaim that I'm following after Christ, you could lose your life. You could lose your job. You could lose your house. You could be ridiculed. And so there was a cross, a price to pay. And so the Bible is saying, hey, someone who's accepted Christ and has followed the Lord in baptism, let me tell you, <laughs> you have evidence that you're saved. Baptism, being willing to follow Christ with baptism. However, the only thing that causes someone to be damned to go to an awful place called hell is not to believe. Well, that makes it pretty simple when we carry the rest of the sentence out and just don't put a period there. You have to continue on. But then we come to verse 17. It says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. And they shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now someone says, preacher, is this true? And I said, yes. Well, well, I don't see it. It's in the book of Acts. That as people came to know Christ as their Savior, things happened. Now, here's the principle that we apply to our own life. As we go out, miracles will happen. As we go out, miracles will happen. It may not be these miracles. These are things that happen in the book of Acts. As you read the book of Acts, you'll see all of these. Including Paul being bit by a serpent and knocked it off. And they're all waiting for him to die. And he didn't die. You say, why is that so important? Because he was able to win all those barbarians on the 
on the island to the Lord because they witnessed that. That as we go out, miracles will happen. It happened in the book of Acts. Today, we don't have the sign gifts, and that's a different lecture. But the principle still remains, as we go out, miracles will happen. As we go out, we could see lives change. It's amazing how things will line up. Now, this is going to be tying into our message. But we could witness to someone, and they reject us, but they could still have the track. And God could still do things in their life to bring them to the Lord. And they could come back and say, let me tell you how I came to know the Lord. And we go, wow, that is amazing testimony. May I give an example? He may be listening, who knows? He's, he's got the app and he's listening now. But when I was in the military, uh, before I came to the military, I was in high school and I worked at a pizza hut. Got to have a job somewhere. And I happen to have a boss who who may have not been the best example in the world. He may be listening, so I want to be kind. He's fine. But um, I appreciated him. I respected him. I appreciate who he was. He was in the military. He happened to be a boss at Pizza Hut, also worked in the military, second job. And um, we grew close. I appreciated him. In fact, we had practical joke wars going on and whatnot. And when I went to the military, when I went basic training, I was concerned for him, so I wrote him a letter. Let me tell you how to know Jesus as your personal Savior. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Well, it just so happens that maybe a couple weeks ago, he got a hold of me. And he says, I found your letter that you wrote all those years ago. And I want to let you know that I'm a believer now. You can't tell me that God's not in that. Miracles do happen as we go out. And there's story after story after story. In fact, the more that you go, the craziest thing in the world continue to happen. And we can just get stories of them. And so this is the principle. As we go out, miracles will happen. That's something we could trust. Because it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on God. And God is a miracle working God. And he will do things to prove himself. In fact, when I talk to an atheist, I love honest minded skeptics. And I start talking to them at the door. And they said, well, I don't know if I quite believe this. I said, that's fine. There happens to be a scientific experiment you could perform from the Bible. It's called John 7, 17. That if any man will do my will, he can know of the doctrine whether I speak of God or whether I speak of myself. And I said, what you could do is you could go in your house and say, God, I don't even know if you exist, but this crazy preacher just knocked on my door and said that if there was a true God that I could know him. So God, if you're real, let me know that you're real and I will believe you. And you know what? God will answer that. And he will answer it in a way that they understood it came from God. It may not be how I expect it, but God will do it in this way that they knew it. Why can I give him that blank check? Why can I say that? Because God's a miracle working God. And he knows what it's going to take to get a hold of someone's attention to prove that he's real. And he does it time and time. Again, I don't want to get bogged down by telling you stories. But let me tell you, there's tons of them. Just from my own life. I can start telling you stories of other people's lives. But as we go out, here is the principle... As we go out, miracles will happen. Well, we understand the principle that's given here. It doesn't bother us no more. This passage isn't that big of a deal. This doesn't mean that we're going to start like a snake-biting church where, you know, we're not going to do that. 
We're not bringing them in here. We're not going to have a, a service where we're drinking poison. That's not what this is about. What it is speaking about, as we go out, miracles will happen. Now, when we explain these passages here, this isn't that big of a deal anymore. Definitely not something that you toss away from your Bible and say, I don't know what it means, so let's get rid of it. But we understand we have a miracle-working God. And here we could see God's clear command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And so if you don't mind, I would like to take some time here. And I want to show you from the last two verses here about Christ working with them. Christ and his co-workers. And let's see what the disciples did with this. Now the words in red stop at verse 18. But then in verse 19 we could see what happens. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them. So after this he was received up to heaven. And sat on the right hand of God. And they. So if you don't mind. First thing I'd like to show you from this passage here. Dealing with the text that we're dealing with. With the idea that we're dealing with. Is the very first thing. They worked. They worked. If you don't mind. May I show you how they worked. Now notice. They worked. It wasn't just some of them. Or part of them. All of them worked. The whole crowd that Jesus spoke to when he gave this order worked. Now, not all of them were pastors of a church. Not all of them had a Sunday school class, but they all worked. In fact, let me show you the principle that God is giving here in the book of Ephesians chapter number 4. We're turning back to the gospel record of Mark in just a second. But look with me in Ephesians chapter 4 and let me show you this. Now, sometimes people have the misnomer... That when Jesus said, go ye out to all the world, that he was just talking to the preachers. And some people have in mind, that's the preacher's job. The preacher's job is to go soul winning. That's why we try to take care of his bills so he can go soul winning. Let me tell you that you're mistaken. Let me prove it to you. The book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Now in this, it's talking about that God gave gifts to men, verse number 8. But in verse 11, why did he give gifts to men? That when you see the idea of four, it's going to ask the question. So why did God give gifts to men? Verse number 11 is the gifts. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So why did God give the church, the local church, a pastor? Well, remember you asked when you see the word for, you could ask the question why. Why? For, for this reason, for the perfecting of the saints. Why did God give the gift of a pastor? For The perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting carries the idea to make complete or to make whole. That my responsibility as a pastor is to help perfect you in your spiritual life. To help put things in order. To help clarify some things. To help perfect. To make you complete or whole. Then we see the next word for. When we see the word for, what do we ask? Why? Why does God want you perfected? Notice this. For the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. So the pastor's job is to perfect you. And then when you are perfected, you, not the pastor, you are to do the work of the ministry. You are to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, because I'm a church member too, I go out and witness. 
But it's not the pastor's responsibility. Pastor's job is to perfect the saints. It's the saints' job to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. This is our job. They all went out. Notice, if you don't mind, we see the next word, for. When you see the word for, you ask the question, why? Why do the saints need to do the work of the ministry? For the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. That if we're all doing our job, it's the miracle of multiplication. One person could reach a certain number of people by himself. But if we're multiplying our efforts, we could reach everyone. This is the miracle of multiplication. God expects the work to be done. And it's done when we're all doing it. Of course, I've given you the example before of discipleship. But if you take one person in discipleship... And you take another person who teaches another person for a year or 18 weeks. And then each of those people every week witness to one person. They give a full gospel witness to one person. Then at the end of that round of discipleship, those two take another two. Then the next year, those four take another four. The next year, those eight take another eight. Year five, 16 take another 16. Now, if you have 16 people who are discipling another 16 people, you've got a pretty stable church. The next year, 32 take 32. The next year, uh, uh, 64 take 64. Year seven, if you have 64 people discipling 64 people, you've got a really strong church. The next year, that one... 28 takes another 128 and so on and so on do you know that every week each of the people in discipleship whether the disciple or the discipler um, witness to one person a week in 30 years every person in the world would have the opportunity to hear the gospel meaning that this is how God expected it he said ye go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature when he said that He expected it to be accomplished. They all went out. One person cannot get the job done, but all of us can. They went out. All of them. Well, as we come back, let's see some more things about their work. They all worked, but notice this. Their work was aggressive. Their work was aggressive. They went forth. Now, if we are going to witness to people, it is through confrontational soul winning. That doesn't mean confrontation where we get people's faces, but it does mean that we have to confront them. Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. By the way, that you're a sinner. And because of your sin, you've offended a holy, righteous God. And that, but Jesus died for you, and all you have to do is personally accept Christ as your Savior. We must confront them with the idea that they're a sinner, but there's still hope. There is a Savior. People need to be confronted with this. Now, some people say, no, 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 no. I just believe that if I live a good enough life, my light will shine, and people will just get saved all around us. Let me tell you, there's not a single one of us who have lived such a good life that someone runs you down down the street and say, you know what, I've been watching your life and I want to let you know that I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior because I watched you walk down the street. Well, that'd be nice, but that's now how it works. We have to confront people with the gospel. We have to go out and confront them and give this. Maybe I'll give a different example. Let's say that I'm on trial 
for a crime that I didn't commit. And let's say that you were a witness. You witnessed me not commit the crime. Now, when it came time for you to come take the stand, you say, you know what? I don't want to use my words. I'm just going to shine my light. And if I shine my light enough, you'll know that he is innocent. So, if I'm there, you know what? I want you to say something. Tell them I didn't do it. No. Just see me shine. Is that going to convince a jury? Is that going to show a judge how to do it? What if, what if you say, you know what, I know I need to be loving. And you start running around and go to each juror and kiss him in the cheek. And you go to the judge and give him a big smooch on the lips and sit down and say, there. Is being loving to everyone? Is that going to get me off the hook? Now open your mouth and tell him I didn't do it. If we're going to confront people with the gospel, we have to use our lips. Now, our lifestyle backs up our message. So our lifestyle is important, but we have to witness with our lips. We have to tell them. We have to go out. Now, when they went forth, they scattered out. They didn't gather all the lucky sinners in. They went out. And they came and assembled together to recharge so they could go back out. Let me remind you that the work of God is not done within these four walls. They're done outside of the walls. There is no commandment for lucky sinners to go to church. Church is for saved people. We are to go out and witness to them. Let them come to know Christ and bring them in. So they could be trained. So they could go out and go witness to someone else. We go the work of God outside these four walls. But their work was aggressive. They had to speak to people. They had to go out. They didn't just stay where they were at. They had to go to where the people are. To bring them in. The very first word of the Great Commission. Go. That's also our first place where we're disobedient. Go. 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 Not only was their work aggressive but something else about their work their work was prompt their work was prompt what do we mean by this that when did they go they went immediately after jesus ascended to heaven they didn't lollygag they didn't pray about it they went there was no time lapse they went forth so soon so then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up to heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth. Their work was prompt. They immediately went out. They didn't waste any time. They didn't say, talk about going. They went. Their work was prompt. Something else about it is that they served their master obediently they served their master obediently what did he tell them to do go ye into all the world and preach the gospel so what did they do verse 20 and they went forth and preached they did exactly what they were told the word preach here carries the idea of proclaiming we need to proclaim the gospel proclaim that jesus saves proclaim that they can have forgiveness of sins full free and forever there is no substitute 
for this preaching, this proclaiming. There is no substitute. We need to get to them and confront them and tell them that they're a sinner. But God loves them. And they can have forgiveness of sins. There they serve their master obediently. What else do we understand about this as they went out? They went out, we understood that when they went out, their work was aggressive. Their work was prompt. They served their master obediently. But notice this. They went everywhere. Notice in verse 20. They went forth and preached everywhere. Where does everywhere mean? Everywhere. Offices, streets, shopping centers, markets. They went everywhere. If you follow the Apostle Paul on his journey, he went everywhere. Hey, you go to the famous tourist attraction? Let's preach there. Hey, I'm in prison? Let's preach here. Hey, they hate me? Let's preach here. Hey, they put up a big um, a thing that says, we hate Paul? Let's preach here. There was a time that he told his Fellows, hey, you guys get the ship and I'll meet you there. I'm going to take a walk. And while I'm walking, I'm going to go tell everybody about it. They went everywhere. Anywhere they could go. Hey, here's a lady who's selling purple by the banks of the river. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus Christ, your Savior? Absolutely. By the way, what's your name? My name's Lydia. Absolutely. They preached everywhere. Where are we supposed to go? Everywhere. Go ye into all the world. Every bit of it. It doesn't matter where it's at. <laughs> you have that person you're afraid across the street. They need to know the gospel. Amen. They need to go everywhere. It doesn't matter where it's at. Be creative. That <laughs> You cannot give the gospel to the wrong person. Tell everyone. Everyone needs to hear it. They went Everywhere. Again, I'm trying to refrain from telling stories. Each of these, a story pops in mind where I hear about a soul winner, what God's done. Let me tell you, as you go out, miracles will happen. God can get things done. I'll give you this one. There was a church where the ladies were concerned about a strip joint that was in their set town. Now, of course, it's not appropriate for the men, but the ladies made it so that way they wouldn't wait. Until closing time. And then when the other ladies came out. The church ladies witnessed to them. And started to get. To know them. Started to love on them. Asked for their prayer request. And a bunch of them got saved. Everywhere. Oh I'm. Broken at storytelling mode. Just have to. You know, you think of unreached people groups. And there's all kinds of unreached people groups. We have subcultures. One of the big subcultures that missed are Wiccans. Uh, the Gothics people. And in Phoenix, there happens to be one of the greatest New Age movements in all of the world is in Phoenix. So there's a big hotbed for it. And right by the university, we'd find out where they would meet at. And, of course, they would come out. At midnight, where good Baptist people are supposed to be sleeping. But Friday and Saturday night, faithfully, I'd go out. Even when I got married, I started dragging my wife with me too. And we would go out. Other times I'd bring other people, men of our church, and we would go out. 
And we would go witness to the wicked. Now, in the college street we were at, it was almost like a nice walking thing. Of course, Phoenix is gorgeous as the sun sets. And so people would be walking down the strip and looking at the stores that are open. And then as midnight starts switching, the college kids would leave and the gothics would come out. And they would come out in full regalia. Black capes with red silk liners, face paint, makeup. Eyeliner, and those are the boys. And we would witness to them. And for Gothic, many of them are told that they're worthless all of their life. Most of them have just surrendered. Oh, I'm just going to go to hell. That's what my parents say, anyways. And so you've got to approach them different. You've got to show them love. You've got to show that, hey, God loves you. And oftentimes it would take to witness to one. It would take an hour because you have to listen to them. Because they got a lot of bitterness, a lot of rejection. And you listen to them and you show that you care. And you would watch. As they started to see that you really cared. Build influence with them. And then they would get saved. And let me tell you, when a gothic got saved, they got saved. Why? Because they can't continue their old lifestyle and be a Christian. They have to, Everything has to become new. And so you get someone who's raised in church and they get saved later in life. There's not a big change because they're already a moral person. In fact, oftentimes they have a hard time being obedient to the Lord because they got good habits in their life. But the good is the enemy of the best. But for them, there was nothing Christian about their lifestyle before. But now they get saved. Everything is different. They went everywhere. Everywhere. To talk to everyone. I mean, we'd go out there to big old bikers. It's in the middle of winter. And the bikers wearing just the leather shirt. Hello, may I tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there anything I can do to pray for you on? How can I be a blessing to you? Man, it's fun. Go everywhere. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they look like. They went everywhere. Everywhere. You say, well, I don't know about going to cultures. Well, you know, you're a result of someone witnessing to a different culture. If you remember, the Bible is a Middle Eastern book. And they sent missionaries to Europe to go witness to those white folks over there. And the white folk got saved. Aren't you glad they did? And they didn't say we're going to stick to our own culture and our own kind. They went everywhere. They went everywhere. Well, all I've talked about so far is they. That they worked. Their work was prompt. Their work was aggressive. They obeyed their master. They went everywhere. But let me tell you the second thing I want to show you from this passage. They didn't only work... But the Lord worked with them. They didn't only work. The Lord worked with them. Notice with me in verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. How did the Lord work with them? The previous verse that Jesus Christ went up to heaven. Jesus Christ said, it be who of you? It's good for you for me to go to heaven. Because if I go up, I send the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus, when he's in his physical body, can only be at one place at once in his physical body. 
But the Holy Spirit can be with every single one of us when we go out. And that they didn't just go with him. The Holy Spirit went before them. And he stuck around afterwards to help work on their life. You realize that before you go knock on someone's door, God is already preparing their heart. He's already been working on them before you even work to get them so they're ready to respond. So they're ready to hear. They may not understand everything that's going on. Oh, I'm so glad that you knocked on my door. My uncle is dying of cancer. Well, that's a very serious thing. When you start thinking about death, it makes you think about spiritual things. Have you ever thought about what would happen to you if you were to die? I have. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Well, can I show you from the Bible how you can know for sure what would happen to you? Yes, please. Can you do that? God's already been working. Then when we go with us, he goes alongside with us. He doesn't send us by ourselves. It's not like the thing where he says, all right, you go talk to them. I'll wait here. He goes with us. And God is able to do things in spite of us, not because of us. I remember going with a young man who was learning how to witness, just a teenager. And uh, he said, all right, it's my turn. So we went and talked to the guy, to a guy. And the teenager tried to witness and he was blowing it. He was, he was confusing me and I know the gospel. And he was saying things and working with it. Finally, the kid just after he's done rambling, he says, I don't know about all of this stuff. Would you like to accept Christ as your Savior? He says, yes. Can we do that now? Looked at each other. It wasn't because of him. God's able to use our fumbling words, our mess ups, our stutter stops, and still get it across. He's working with us. One of my soul winning friends was a man um, from Hungary, and he escaped from communist Hungary. Just an amazing story with his daughter and came to the United States, went to Montana. And he spoke Hungarian, didn't speak a lick of English. But he knew that he wanted his daughter not in public school. He wanted to go to a Christian school. So he showed up at a Christian school and said, you know, try to let him know that he wants his daughter to go there. And so the um, principal, <coughs> the pastor sat down with him. And he says, I don't know if you understand me or not. But let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he witnessed to him in English. And my Hungarian friend who didn't speak English said, I understood every word. And I accepted Christ as my Savior right then. What was happening? God was working with them. The Holy Spirit was opening up things. Miracles happen as we go forth. And let me tell you, he was my soul winning friend that I would bring with me to go witness to the Gothics and to the bikers. Now, again, a little side note. Um... (laughs) I had to contain him in because his idea of witnessing sometimes is like, if I take out my gun and shoot you in the head, are you know for sure you're going to heaven? No, we don't do that. That's not how we witness. Don't do that. I gave that as an example of what not to do. And some teacher got the bright idea and used that as an illustration of this person he witnessed. Hey, if I pulled out a gun and shot you in the head, are you hundred? No, don't do that. Don't witness like that. That's not how to witness. But I'm so glad that he was hungry for souls and was willing to be my soul winner partner. And if not now, so I knew I was protected if someone else was going to come for me. God's willing to use anybody. But not only does he go before us and prepare the heart, not only does he go with us, he goes after us. I've given this account before, but I'll give it again. There was a, a lady or a place that I knocked on the door. No one was home, so I left a track. Okay, that's fine. And in the place that we were at, we had gotten the place where we would knock on uh, the doors once a year. 
And so a year went up, a full year. Knock on the door. This time the lady opens and I said, yeah, I'm from the church that I was from. And I just want to go see, we're going around the neighborhood trying to be a blessing to folks. See if there's anything we do pray for you. And I handed her the track and she goes, this, come inside. I've been waiting for you. This is great. Come on in. So we go in and we start to give the witness. She says, hold on. And she went to the other room and pulled out a track. Another one. She says, let me tell you. I came home from my door one day, or from home one day, groceries. And there was one of those things on my door and I was mad. How dare someone put something on my door? So she meant to throw it in the trash, but she had groceries in her hand. So she set the groceries and she set it on the cabinet, meaning to throw it away. Well, she got busy and left it there. A couple days later, she went and found it, said, oh, I got to throw this away. And she would just look at it and meant to throw it away, never did. Then one day she picked it up and was going to throw it away, got distracted and set it over here. And then later on, she got distracted over here. Next thing you know, it's in her bedroom mirror. So she looks at it every day. And when I knocked on the door, it was like I wasn't just picking fruit. It was just catching stuff that was already falling. She was ready to get saved, begging to get saved. I mean, just hurry up. Let's get to the end. Can we pray now? Well, just let's double check that we're on the same page. But yes, let's do this. What happened? The Lord was working after. He was working on it. And then he was preparing her for the next time. God is at work. Miracles happen as you go out. I'm on storytelling mode. So let me tell you another thing. So many amazing things. My wife was with me on this one. She goes, which one? Um, (laughs) We were knocking doors in Phoenix, Arizona. And I was assistant to the pastor there. And... um, Knocked on one uh, one lady's door. We had already saw four people come. No crisis or savior. No Phoenix. That's that's often in Phoenix. Nobody saved, and everybody knows it. Uh, it was no problem to see at least one person come to know crisis or savior every week. Uh, just myself. There, there was big stretches where I would go at least ten a week for big stretches. Phoenix is just begging ground. And then I go to the south where everybody's saved and everybody's grandmother's a preacher and we have to convince them that they're not saved so that way they can get, you know. Then up here, everybody's got their own religion type thing. Every place is different. But Phoenix, let me tell you, it's a hunt. It's just open ground. It's just easy. But anyways, we'd already saw four people come to know Christ as their savior. And then we knocked on this one lady's door. Now, usually I introduce myself and say my name, but for some reason I didn't do this. And so I knocked on the door and said, yes, we're from Western Hills Baptist Church. We're just going around the neighborhood trying to find uh, if there's anything we can do to pray for you on. And we gave her the track. She goes, oh, I know this church. She goes, do you happen to know a Scotty Bockhouse? I said, I do. She goes, I've heard that he is an amazing soul winner. Now, it's not me, it's God. But she goes, I've heard all about him. And so I've committed, I found out when he goes soul winning, and I've committed that every week... On Saturday, when he's out and about, that I was going to pray for him that God would use him to see people saved. That's me! And man, we talked and had a good time, and she rejoiced, and we saw three other people come to know Christ as their Savior before the day was over. It was because that lady's praying as the Holy Spirit's enabling. God is. Miracles happen. I told you, I got full of stories. This is just the iceberg. My wife could tell you, I'm not exaggerating, full of stories. Just things that happen. By the way, you can get your own stories. Because as we go out, 
miracles will happen. God will work. And all of these stories, we all say, that was God. I didn't put the track on the lady's mirror. That was God that was working. I didn't meet this lady before, but she committed to pray. That was God that was working. Story after story. I could tell you stories about how the Mormons had a file on me and they refused to allow any Mormons to knock on any uh, door around our neighborhood for fear that they would run into me. Now, again, I'm not bragging. It's the Lord. He did all that stuff. As you go out, miracles will happen. This is what this passage is saying. But they had to go out. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. And confirmed the word. So he confirmed what they were saying with signs and following. That means miracles were happening as they went out. God did all kinds of amazing things to confirm that the word was true. Amen. What we see here is Christ and his co-workers. It's Christ that's doing the work. We're just going alongside with him and letting him do his work. He wants to use us. Amazing things will happen. And as you start going out, you're going to start seeing your own stories. You're going to see people, just amazing things, come back and say, Preacher, let me tell you what happened. Oh, I can't wait. I want to hear this. You wonder why I'm excited for soul winning. Man, this is great. You can see miracles happen. This is great. Watch it happen. We just have to go. Go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The simple command. And as they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Christ and his co-workers. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.